First World Problems is now part of the Punk News Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like the Punk News Podcast and Wizard's Beard. Visit punknews.org for those shows and many more, as well as all the latest news, new releases, and reviews of all your favorite bands. Check it out. All right. Welcome to First World Problems, the podcast, episode number 22. Uh, we are sitting here on this lovely afternoon in Los Angeles and Tinton Falls, New Jersey. Do you still live in Tinton Falls, Josh? Sure do. All right. Represent. We're, we're sitting here with uh, Mr. Josh Grabel from uh, Bullet Tooth Records, previously known as Truskill Records, and uh, Lawman Extraordinaire. Josh, thank you very much for hanging out with us. No problem. Thanks for having me. No, no problem. Our pleasure. And with me, as always, are the two illustrious co-hosts, Mr. Scott Arnold. Hello. And Mr. Joey Cahill. Yo. And uh, we're just going to go ahead and uh, dive right in here. I don't think we have any uh, business to attend to, uh, besides the fact that, uh, you know, we appreciate people checking us out, and we're getting more and more listeners. And, uh, yeah, keep listening, because we'll have fun shit coming up. Um, yeah, we'll start with the uh, quick hit section, and uh, Joey, you want to uh, you want to start things off? I do because as of an hour and a half ago, I did not have one, <laughs> and then I ate lunch at a new place, which I will be recommending today. Uh, it is a restaurant called the Vegan Joint. It is in, I guess, L.A. I don't really know. Um, you can look on the website. I believe it's just theveganjoint.com, but. Um, they have, I mean, for example, I had uh, chicken satay and a breakfast burrito that had tofu scramble, uh, vegan cheese, and fake bacon, and it was awesome. But they have uh, hamburgers, uh, Chinese food, breakfast, fish, uh, and it's very good and very reasonably priced. Um, yeah. You are, a, you are a big proponent of reasonably priced places. Uh, as long as it's good. So if you were in the L.A. area... On the west side, you should eat at the vegan joint. It's very good. Ray, I think you would enjoy it. What's if you've not? Yeah, no, I, I've never ever eaten there. What's the uh, what's the vibe? Is it like just sort of Mexican-ish stuff? Or no, no, no. I mean, it's uh, like they have like breakfast foods, like pancakes and breakfast burritos, but then they have Chinese food and curry and hamburgers and sandwiches. It's kind of like all across the board. Um, it's really good. Nuts. Yeah. All right, Scott. What do you uh, What do you got for us? I have an iPad application called Shredder, and it is my favorite chess application on the iPad, and I have many. I thought it was going to be about weightlifting. Nope. So everyone go purchase it. I think it's like $10. What are, you- are you going to tell us about it, or are you just going to make us guess what it does? It's, I said it's chess. <laughs> it's just chess? What's yeah. makes it, what makes it so special, Scott? Sell me on it. Do your um, job for a change. Prepare. Okay, it's. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a few points, Joey. It's aesthetically pleasing. A lot okay. of the chessboards have like weird um, animations and kind of over the over the top graphics, and this one's plain and simple. Um, there is a pretty robust artificial intelligence thing that kind of teaches you to play. Um, so it's it's really helpful for you because you're just a beginner. <laughs> yes. Cool. It's, perf- it's perfect for me. I think Scott prefers the term novice. Um, my chess score puts me in the 
above Ovid's section, right? Thank you. Oh wow. Okay. Is there Scott. is there a beginner? It, does it go beginner, novice, uh, intermediate, pro? No, there there's a standardized system which I believe is pronounced the ELO system, E L O, and like grandmasters are in the twenty four hundred range, and bozos are in the like nine hundred range, and I am fourteen fifty. Did you just say bozos? I said bozos. Be, <laughs> I don't understand. A bozo, Ray, someone like yourself. Um, is that no. actually a chess term, or are you just using the word bozo? I'm using the, ter- the term bozo. Okay, well, I don't understand your uh, what you do, Scott. Scott, do you want to talk about your upcoming um, big game that you'll probably lose, or match, or whatever the hell you call it? Yeah, uh, Nicole has this friend, supposedly, I've never seen him, <laughs> who, who claims to be a speed chess player and plays one-minute games, which can't be fun. Um, and he's challenged me to a duel. And I think I'm going to cream him, but Nicole's confident that he has game. So we will see. Josh, do you play chess? I do not. I have no idea how to play it. Really? Like, no. I mean, you've, you've seen a chessboard, right? <laughs> yeah, I believe I Don't know. Don't be what condescending, like. right? <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. No, I've never played. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You're, you were probably. Well, what was, your, what was your maybe board game of choice if you have one? My board game of choice. Uh, or are you a card? Are you a card man? I got my first computer when I was like six, so that kind of ruined any plans of board games or chess or anything. Smart, you, smart people do. Well, smart people play with computers too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, board games. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, it's it's okay. If you you're, you went down the computer route, I mean Scott himself is a computer man as well. But uh, he got introduced a little late. Did, I mean, when did you get your first computer, Scott? Uh, my dad always had like top of the line computers. So as long as I can remember, we've had a computer in the house. Like I remember, we were like the first family on the block to get cable internet when it was probably like three or four hundred dollars a month. Um, but yeah, I've always had a computer. I always had my own computer, which is kind of weird. That is kind of weird. Did you build your own computer, Josh, or did you just get one when you were six? No, I got my um, I got the Apple IIe like the week it came out. Oh, and, really? Uh, was like writing my own software, and yeah, I was a nerd back then. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if much has changed, right? <laughs> no, definitely not. Okay, there we go. But. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I also had three sisters, and they weren't really like board game people or chess people. Um, so yeah, I probably just played with Star Wars figures instead. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. G.I. <laughs> Joe. I used, up, I used to put up my G.I. Joes in the bath. It was cool. Yeah, me too. And I, I used to... I used to bring them in the garage and light them on fire, so I had battle damage versions of each figure. <laughs> nice. I I used to uh, I used to play very elaborate role playing games with my GI Joes, uh, where I'd actually have them like do a month long campaign where every day we had a new enemy to attack, and as guys died, I like kept like a running log of their injuries. It was probably the nerdiest thing I've ever done. <laughs> That's amazing. It was I was focused. <laughs> what were you going to say, Scott? 
Um, oh, I've watched the first two Star Wars finally. Yeah, yeah John, we need to... this is a news flash, Josh. Scott yeah. Scott has never seen any of the Star Wars, and he is a twenty five or twenty four year old man. I just turned twenty six. And you and you just recently saw them. I, yeah. I sh- well, I showed him uh, four and five. We we will be watching Return of the Jedi hopefully very soon. Scott and I live together. Um, so you still haven't seen Return of the Jedi? No. It's really embarrassing, and I don't like talking uh. about it and living with him for that matter. <laughs> that uh, that is bizarre. Did you? What, what was your opinion on them, Scott? Like, did they live up to your the hype that everybody uh, gave to you? Yeah, I thought they were they were really cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, they were decent quite, films. <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously they've aged a lot, so the the effects and stuff are not current. But what I was most surprised in is, like, growing up, people dress up as all these, like, I don't even know their names, but, like, the fat guy, like, the worm. Holy shit. The (laughs) fat guy. The fat guy. (laughs) The worm. Anyway, so people, like, you know, develop a fixation on these characters. And when I watch these movies, they were only in the movie for three or four minutes. Like I told you regarding the worm, he's, (laughs) he's, he's in Return of the Jedi a lot more. Okay, well... Um, Time will tell if that's true. I, I can tell you it's I true. Know. So wait, so Scott, did you see Spaceballs? I've seen Spaceballs. I don't really remember. And, and, and you didn't get any reference in the movie? He thought it was an actual movie. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> over my head. That's it. I'd never even thought of that, where it's like... So like Pizza the Hut like, made no sense. <laughs> nope. Uh, well, Scott, I look forward to our personal rematch because I feel like you beat me purely on luck last time we played chess. Call it what you will, Ray. <laughs> oh, I will. I mean, you lose to Jen all the time. She's way smarter than I am. Fair enough. It's not saying very much. Um, Josh, do you feel comfortable enough to uh, jump in with a, a quick hit of your own at this point? Uh, sure. Just anything at all? Literally, Literally anything. Well. Literally anything. Yes. Uh, hmm. I don't know. A bit, uh, I'm a bit behind the eight ball on this one, but I just saw Rise of the Planet of the Apes on my flight, back, on my flight back from Israel this week. And uh, I was blown away. I mean, I heard it was great. And it, I don't know, it blew me away. I was like, I'm so psyched now for the next one. And I've never liked any of those movies before. I, 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 I loved it. You. I absolutely loved it. <clears throat> yeah, I thought it was incredible. Like, the special effects, the story, the acting, it was pretty much a perfect movie, I thought. Yeah, we didn't, we actually didn't talk about the movie on this podcast, but, uh, I think all of us saw it, and I mean, I, I like you, wasn't a huge fan of the, you know, the franchise as it were. I thought, this, I thought they were all garbage. <laughs> I mean, even that latest one with, you know, Marky Mark, uh, was pretty bad. But um, I mean, even when I just when I heard about this movie being made, just the concept alone and, and the story, I thought was so much more interesting than any of those other movies, you know? Yeah, you were saying something, Scott? 
Um, yeah, I just saw it yesterday. Oh, nice. Yeah, I just saw it like two or three days ago. I was blown away. Yeah, I loved the 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 ending battle on the bridge was definitely just, I mean, a great way to have the quote-unquote final confrontation. Yeah, it was sick. I hope they can write, you know, the script for the next one and have it be just as good and interesting to see where they can take it, you know? Yeah, for sure. For a while, walking around my house, anytime I was asked a question, I would say no the way Caesar does. Um, <laughs> and then usually oh. followed up usually followed up with Caesar is home, but um, it just depended on the question if it worked. <laughs> nice. I I also saw that the uh, the actor that played the ape uh, Andy Sedakis he's uh, he's doing like a huge bid to the Oscar uh, committee so that he will get nominated and like the move, you know, all of the people from the production company are, are really putting their muscle behind it too. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually notice that. He, he also just signed a seven figure deal for the next movie. Yeah. Wait, so he, he played Caesar. He was, it was all just like the, the facial recognition. Like he was the guy in King Kong. He was, uh, Gollum in the Lord of the Rings movies. And, Oh, right, uh, right, right. And a bunch of like he's he always does stuff like that, um, yeah. And so that yeah, they're trying to push him for like I think best actor, best supporting actor, hmm. or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Interesting. But yeah, no, that's 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 a great recommendation because I I know you listened to all twenty two or twenty one episodes before this just to make sure that you didn't uh, talk about any content we've already spoke about. So I appreciate that, Josh. Yeah, man, I, I was up all night. Checked them out. Thank you. Um, well, for my quick hit, uh, I am going to talk about, I recently had the privilege of seeing Louis C.K. perform live. Um, he did, he's basically doing a ton of warm-up shows because he's filming a special at the end of this month. Um, and so he just wanted to test out new material. And I've only seen a stand-up comedian do that maybe once or twice where they're kind of testing out new material and they're not sure how it'll actually work for an audience. Um, but watching Louis C.K. do it was amazing because, um, as you know, people that have listened to previous episodes know that, um, you know, most of us on the show really enjoy what he does. And uh, it was just funny because it's like he'd be going on a certain riff and a topic and then in the middle of it, he was just like, wait, 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 no, fuck that. You guys don't think this is funny. And it's like, <laughs> you totally switch gears. Um, and so it's like, it's really interesting to see someone that's obviously that talented to kind of pick up on the vibe of a room and realize like, okay, well, I'm not talking about this anymore. Like, let's go back to what I was originally talking about. Yes. Um, and it's cool, like how he's, he's not even doing this special for like HBO or Showtime or anything like that. He's actually doing it where he's releasing it on his own website, um, and so it's like, I think it's on like December 10th or something like that. Um, he's launching it and you, you pay five bucks and I don't know if you'll be able to download it or just stream it on his website, but, um, yeah, that's how he's releasing his next special. And so it's like, I mean, it's pretty cool. yeah, I've never heard of another comedian obviously doing that. That's well, cause I think he pitched it to comedy central and they passed. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think I read that somewhere. That, it Actually, could, it could be I true. Saw, yeah. Yeah, I saw Jim Brewer do that. Um, at a, the comedy club in New Brunswick, New Jersey, it was like five bucks to get in, and he just kind of tested out material for a few hours. It was pretty rad. That's cool. Yeah. 
so um but yeah so if, if anybody you know as far as louis ck is concerned you know check out his his show that's going on and um yeah if you ever have a chance to see him live i, I definitely recommend it he's quite enjoyable that's the conclusion of our quick hit section um now we'll kind of move on and uh talk about uh Music, TV, movies, all that type of stuff uh, that we've recently watched and enjoyed. Um, and, well, first of all, Josh, I would like to hit on the fact that you literally just got back from Israel. And uh, how was that? That must have been quite a trip. It was incredible. Um, <clears throat> you know, I like to cons- consider myself a traveler. And I've been to a lot of places and this was the first time I've ever been somewhere where I could, I thought to myself, like, I could probably live here. Um, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I've been, like, all over Europe and England and everywhere else. And you don't, I never really had that feeling, you know. It's like, I've been in France and I'm like, this place sucks. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm like, you go to London, you're like, this place sucks. It's cold. And... Everything's small and old and shitty. Um, but Israel just, I don't know, it's got like a really cool vibe. I was there for 10 days um, on a guided tour, which is, I've actually never done that before. Oh, so like every, kind of every day was sort of planned <clears throat> out to a certain extent? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I had some time to myself. Uh, I went, well, I went with my parents, for one. Um, and we had some time, like when we first got there, you know, we... We, we were in Tel Aviv, so we had like a day or two to kind of decompress and, um, you know, just kind of hang out on the beach. But, uh, but yeah, for the most part, the whole trip was, was guided and planned out. And we did so much in 10 days that it's like mind blowing to think about. I have over 500 photos. Um, but we saw, you know, I don't want to say everything there is to see because I was only there for 10 days, but we did see quite a lot. Um, and I mean, it's really cool to see what's going on there. And, you know, you hear about everything, you know, like you see photos and you read all the stuff and you hear about the Gaza strip and the golden Heights and, you know, all these things. But until you're there and you see it for yourself, you know, Jerusalem and the, the wailing wall and just all that shit, it's just like, it's pretty mind blowing, you know, like the fact that our country or at least our white person version of our country is only 200 years old. Um, you know, we're just kind of like a blip on the screen. Um, you know, I was walking in markets in old Jerusalem where, you know, nothing has changed in, in 4,000 years. Um, you know, I was walking on the same stones that Roman soldiers were walking on four to 5,000 years ago. So it's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, uh, that's, that, that's nuts to have that perspective. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I still don't consider myself a religious Jew at all because I'm not. I don't believe in God. I don't, you know, care about Jesus. But it was cool to be there and just have all that, all that culture and the history um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. Nice. Uh, that's, that's cool. I would, Cause I, I know none of us have ever traveled to Israel. So I was... no. that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I would definitely recommend it to anybody. Um, 
you know, I never really got that feeling like, holy shit, I'm in the Middle East. I could be killed any minute. I mean, I felt really safe the whole time. Everywhere you go, you see soldiers with machine guns everywhere. Um, so you kind of feel, you know, there's that that feeling of, of safety pretty much everywhere. Until we crossed over into the Palestinian Authority to go to Bethlehem. And uh, our guide, who was Israeli, couldn't he couldn't enter the Palestinian Authority because he's Israeli, um, which is weird, but that's how it works. So we could all go in because we were all American, but he couldn't. So he set us up with a different guide um, on the other side of the wall who he had actually never even met. So that was kind of sketchy. And you know, this, he's gonna he's gonna hand you off to your, the kidnapper. That's pretty much exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, all right, we're gonna get kidnapped and killed and raped and murdered and <laughs> um, and that was the first time you know we crossed over into quote unquote Palestine. Um, that was the first time I had that feeling like, holy shit, I'm in the Middle East, you know, and there was that sense of danger and I didn't really know what was gonna happen, but but it was cool. Nice. Josh, how long were you there for? Ten days. Were you there during the uh, prisoner exchange? Uh, that happened, I think, like, just a couple days before I got there. Ooh. Could you yeah. tell if that was sort of, was there talk about it on the streets type of thing? Was it a big deal? Um, it wasn't as big of a deal as Israel testing a long-range missile <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> while I was there. Um, and actually I have a friend that lives there. Um, my friend Mecca who actually lived with me for close to a year in New Jersey. He, um, he did that rite of passage thing where you can, you know, move to Israel and join the military and work for six months and they'll pay all your expenses. And then, uh, he actually just ended up staying there after his service was over and he lives there now. Um, and he was saying he was actually on the military base and the, the missile went over their head. And, like, you know, they don't tell them about this kind of stuff. So they're, like, seeing this missile and they're like, holy shit, what is going on? Um, but then they found out it was actually an Israeli missile and not Iranian missile. <laughs> not, a, not a hostile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, but that was big news because, you know, I was over there and, like, two or three days into my trip, Israel test a long range missile and there's talk of them, you know, attacking Iran, um, while we were there, but nothing ever happened. So we'll see. But I mean, even with all that, I didn't really feel any sense of danger. Um, well, that's, that's cool. I, I remember I, tra I've traveled to like Northern Ireland as far as like the, you know, security guards with guns and where you're like, it's not just like, you know, guys with pistols. It's like, oh, these are M16 and AK-47s. Like, you know, that definitely is a little unnerving to a certain extent. But, um, yeah, you know, you, you do feel like, okay, if shit goes down, like these dudes are obviously going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, thanks for the uh, historical perspective. I think that's the first time we've uh, spoke to a uh, person who's been to Israel. So good job, yeah. Josh. <laughs> no problem. Cool. Uh, another thing that was cool was that our tour guide, um, who actually was a tax attorney and decided that being a lawyer and especially a tax lawyer was boring as shit. So 
he decided to be a tour guide. Um, he is actually like a commander in the Israeli army um, and is on reserve. So it was kind of cool just to talk to him and get his insight on, you know, because again, you, you know, you read all this stuff in the in the press about, you know, the two-state solution and all the problems over there. And, you know, like when you're on the outside of it, you're just thinking, well, it should be easy to fix. Why can't they just fix it? And, you know, when you're there and you start talking to people and then you start realizing like how chaotic it is over there and what a mess it is. And there, there, there are some intricacies to this. <clears throat> there's a lot. Yeah. And it's like, unless you're there and you, you really know what you're talking about, it's, it's hard to even have an opinion on it. Um, but it was cool getting his perspective too, you know, cause he was, you know, he was born and raised there and in the military. And so that was really cool too. Nice. Awesome. Um, cool. Well, um, yeah, after that we can, uh, we can talk about some, uh, some music and stuff like that. Um, Joey, did you have a, a record you'd like to, uh, discuss? Yes, I have two I would like to talk about. Cool. Um, nice and quick. The first is just like the record. Ha ha. Uh, is the new trash talk seven inch called, <laughs> called awake. Um, it's out on true Panther which is, I guess, owned by Matador or somehow connected to Matador. I'm not sure of the connection, but um, it's awesome. It's fast and just and pissed. Um, it's honestly probably the first stuff from Trash Talk I've really liked since Plagues. Um, there was stuff on the first or the two LPs that I liked, but record as a whole, um, I didn't love them. And I think this record's great. I think it, it just shows like everything that trash talk can do. Um, I, yeah. would, I would have to, I would have to agree. I think it's to me, the best way to describe it. It's the most listenable trash talk record I've ever heard where it's like, you can actually listen to the entire seven inch and be like, there are parts of it that are pretty memorable and aren't just like your typical sing along. So it's like, yeah, I, I dare, I, mean, I dare say that they might be writing songs. Yeah. Like there's definitely like structure to them. Whereas, like, you could kind of see that on the last LP. Like, I don't remember the name of this single, but, I mean, it actually had, like, you know, a verse-chorus, verse-chorus and a bridge. Um, and it's like, you can kind of see that they, they're writing songs on this. They kept going with that, but I think I've gotten better at it. Um, and, I mean, it, it it's only five songs, and it was when it was over, I kind of, it left me wanting more to the point where, you know, I just listened to it again. Because it's, yeah, it's, it's really good. Cool. Um, the other record I'd like to, uh, recommend or talk about is the new A Loss for Words LP. Um, I believe it's called No Sanctuary. I'm actually going to double check because now I'm second guessing myself. No, I think you're right, Joey. Okay. Um, and it's out on Velocity, which is, I guess, a subsidiary of Rise. But, uh, I mean, it's pop punk, but, you know, done by hardcore kids. So there's a, a hardcore influence, but it's not like interface um i mean these kids have been a band for i would say almost 10 years and just you know doing like everything they can on the east coast and now they're finally seem to getting that you know or they I mean they've had recognition but it seems like they're finally starting to get the bigger tours and the um and the stuff they put all the work in and it's like finally paying off and this record's really good um it sounds awesome they're you know um, it's, it's catchy. Pretty, it's pretty. Uh, the one thing that I 
got from listening to it. It's it's super slick. Like yeah, they because it's like obviously there's I like to call there's a pop punk renaissance that's happening right now where it's like obviously you have a lot of bands like you know Man Overboard, Transit, all that type of stuff. You know Wonder Years where it's like these bands are putting their own little unique twist on that pop punk. Um, but like there's still like an element of you know, somewhat rawness to it all. Um, but the, like the, this record was just like, it's, it's pure, pure pop. There's way more pop than punk in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and there's even like weird, like kind of like midnight. I don't want to say like grunge parts, but there's a definite, like, <laughs> that sounds like, terrible. Yeah, it does. But there's like a, like a, a nineties, almost like rock influence at times that I think kind of set them apart from a kind of give them their niche of what, what they're doing. Um, with theirs, like you said, with this pop punk renaissance, that they need to do something to set them apart. Um, but yeah, I think this record's really cool, and I'm psyched that people are paying attention. So yeah, and you and full disclosure, you tried to sign this band. I did when we, when we worked at Abacus, <laughs> uh, and then I don't, I think I, I don't know if that's when I left or whatever, but yeah, I'm psyched that, and that was what year is this? That was six years ago. It's like, they're still going at it. And I mean, I think this is their second proper full length and it's well-deserved that, you know, what, what's going on with them. So sure. Yeah. Did you ever try to sign this band, Josh? Uh, I talked to him about a year ago. Yeah. Um, cause I know, I know you're, I know you're personally, you, uh, you have a very large fondness for uh, pop punk. I always remember, your top 10 lists definitely always have at least the top one or two spot being dedicated to something that is extremely poppy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's one of my favorite, I, you know, newfound glory, all that kind of shit. I love it. Um, pre preteen music in a way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, nothing wrong with that. Not at all. <laughs> no, they're a great band. I mean, they went out with kid Liberty, uh, I think twice. um, Good dudes, great band. I mean, I'm psyched that they're still at it after so long, you know? Yeah. Um, a lot of bands throw in the towel. So, I actually I haven't heard the new record, but I've been meaning to check it out. Cool. Um, Scott, do you, uh, you have some records that are very left of center that you'd love to share? Yeah, okay, I kind of forgot I, what I sent you, though. I'll, I'll remind you, Scott. Uh, do you want me to just do the first two? <laughs> and, jo- and Josh, just to preface this as well, Scott, even though he is the youngest of myself, Joey, and I, he has the music tastes of a 45 to 60-year-old man. Yeah, so with the with the first one <laughs> on this list, I'm going about 60, 65. Yeah. I have no clue what it is, but I'm just assuming. No, you're. I think you're correct in that assumption. Uh, Scott, Glenn We'll Gould. go with the second one first. Okay, Richard Swift. Which, yeah, no, no clue what that is. Okay, Richard Swift, who he's now actually playing the shins. He, um, he's a prolific artist on Secretly Canadian. Under he records under a bunch of different names, but solo he's Richard Swift, and he just released a record called Walt Wolfman. Um, kind of really creative artwork, and he he releases it seems like some at least one record a year, and he has these kind of EPs that come out between the records that are all like just ideas that are real stripped down and almost R&B-ish, 
recorded in a basement. And yeah, none of you would probably like it, but it's awesome. I, lis- I listened to a little bit of it. It wasn't bad. It definitely wasn't as uh, obviously falling asleepish as the uh, piano based dude that you recommended, whoever that guy is. Which guy? Oh, the Scott, first one? Scott already forgot. <laughs> so uh, what's, what's your other um, 45 to 60 year old demographic uh, release, Scott? Really what we're going for, too. That's yeah. That's 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 this podcast's demographic. People who as don't well. know what a podcast is, <laughs> uh, you're so wrong. Okay, the uh, second release I've been listening to is by Glenn Gould, who is a Canadian concert pianist, who's, from what I understand, is a big deal in the classical music world. And this particular release is him playing a bunch of box songs, playing the same songs in a bunch of different ways. So it's kind of interesting to hear the differences. Holy shit. <laughs> Even you, towards the end of your sentence, were laughing because you realized how funny that sounded. It's, a, it's not funny. No, I'm saying it's funny in the sense... I think it's funny. It, it's funny in this context. Scott. I think that was Joey laughing. No, you laughed as well, Scott. I laughed because you laughed. Play, I can hear you laughing. You laughed, just you laughed first. Play back the tape, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I have, I have breaking news. Oh, okay. We have, we, have to, we have to cut in. Heavy D is dead. What? Oh. Yeah. What's only that? forty only forty four years old. Wow. That's crazy. R.I.P. <laughs> Sorry. No, Just so that. that's hey, that's that's what this podcast is all about, keeping current <laughs> relevant since we're rec- Break, we're recommending news. Right. And we're recommending a, a Bach cover album. But just fifteen hours ago he tweeted Be Inspired. Oh man. <laughs> it just sh- just shows how delicate life is. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Scott. Even though we like to make fun of you, there are people that do appreciate your recommendations because... I don't think there's any, but I'm happy. I'm happy with that. You know you're the favorite one on the podcast. Uh, Only amongst the outcasts. (laughs) Cool. People. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I would like to note that uh, someone on our Twitter account accused Scott of being a fictional character. People people think that we prepare a script for Scott to go off of before each show. Like, which I wish we I wish we could. I it'd be, it'd be a lot easier. He would sound more prepared. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, Josh, did you have anything? Uh, any new records that you've uh, been enjoying a lot recently? <clears throat> um, yeah, I got tons, but um, I don't know how new they all are. But yeah, newish. We new newish. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Well, first of all, one of my favorite bands ever is Four Years Strong, and their new album just came out today. I think. Okay. Um, and it's amazing, and that band is amazing, and can do no wrong in my eyes. Nice. Um. So yeah, did you did you see them on this uh, this AP tour that they're doing? I did not, but I have seen them. Um, I, I I I didn't get to check out that tour, but that band is awesome. Uh, I've been spinning the hell out of the new Comeback Kid record, the new ish Comeback Kid record. Was it the um, which one is that the the what's it called? Uh, Damn it! Not the uh, not broadcasting was it? No, no, the one after that. Uh, I, can, I can see the cover in my head. <laughs> yeah, it's got like the kid flying symptoms and cures. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, and I just saw him, um, was it like two weeks ago, with The Cherry and This Is Hell, and they still put on one of the best shows. And I think Andrew is probably one of the best front men in hardcore. He's really good. In my opinion. I think he's like the Canadian Scott Vogel. <laughs> <laughs> probably the best label for anybody. <laughs> what, Canadian Scott Vogel? Or just, I think maybe if we can separate it out where it's just like each state would have their own Scott Vogel. It's like, you're the Californian Scott Vogel. <laughs> but what about when he lived in California? <laughs> that he was yeah that, well yeah, yeah he he basically pre he's like the you know he's like the mayor so it's like wherever he goes that's you know he kicks out the previous mayor <laughs> okay. um so yeah that that record i think is just phenomenal um i really didn't give that probably the type of listens that it should because i just uh i think it just kind of I think it got released around, around the time when i just maybe wasn't listening to that that the heavier stuff for you know those few months or whatever yeah. i just i've kind of i've told a few people that it's kind of like comeback kid meets the bronx um it's got this kind of like dirty kind of feel to it which i think is awesome cool. uh, so that's sounds interesting to you then check it out but um yeah that record shreds another kind of totally random record is the new Buy a Thread album, and I'm probably the only one on earth that listens to it. Nope, but, nope. I think no. you got two. You got two more right here. <laughs> but yeah. I, but I, can, I can tell you right now, there aren't there aren't more than three. And hey. it's then it's just us three. But I, I listened to that record in its entirety probably six times in the last week, and it's just so fucking good. Dude, um, we we did we uh, we worked with Rev on like I don't know one of our very like I don't know ninth or tenth episode we actually did an ad for the buy a thread record just because it was like it was coming out and we were I was talking to Rev about sponsoring an episode and they're like hey would you be interested in doing a buy a thread ad and I was like fuck yeah we'd be interested in doing a buy a thread ad <laughs> that's awesome yeah. yeah that record's so good man like I don't know it's so even when that even when that last album came out which was like what like 98 or something yeah um I love that record, and the new one sounds just like it, but even better. So, did you hear all those demos that they did, like in between those two <clears throat> records? Yeah, they sent those to me like years ago. Yeah, I know they were trying to get signed by basically anybody who would be willing to invest a lot of money in a band that didn't tour. Yeah, which wasn't me. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was. I told them. I, I was like, guys, I, I fucking love your band, but just have Reb put it out, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, makes more sense. Sure. But uh, I love the new Volbeat record. I don't know if anyone's into them. I feel like that's another band where no one that I know likes them, but I love them. Yeah, they're definitely. Uh, I I know when I was at Century Media, they were trying to sign them or trying to license the record from because that was like right before they started to bubble up here in the states, like before they played with Metallica and <laughs> all the uh, all the other bands that wanted to uh, take them out. But they're. Yeah. Definitely, I mean, a really solid band. I mean, I know Joe, Joey hates anything that kind of resembles social distortion in a way. Ugh. And so there, I already told Joey, I was like, don't check it out. You won't like it. It's funny and because have, and I have not. I love the band. And like when people are like, oh, what do they sound like? And I'll tell them all the bands that I think they sound like. And everyone's like, oh, well, I like those bands. But then they don't like Volbeat, which doesn't make any sense to me. But. Um, because to me they sound like, you know, they definitely have that social D feel, 
I think mixed with like Life of Agony and Meshuga, yeah. and even like even like newer Misfits, um, like Michael Graves era Misfits. But and I like all that shit. So I don't know. Great band. Um, another great new band I've been checking out uh, is a Swedish band called Dead by April. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with them, but they kind of sound like if Soil Work wrote poppier choruses um, and a little more electronic too. Yeah, they definitely have a sort of 30 Seconds to Mars vibe I got. Like not in a, in, not in a bad way, but just their, hook, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their, their hooks are very much like that. Yeah. So it's like heavy and Swedish and metal, but definitely – you know, poppy kind of big, bigger hooks and stuff. Um, but they have a new album that is just fucking awesome. Um, I'm going to interrupt you, Josh, because you, um, before I talk about the records that I've got into, what I always found is kind of a, a random question, but you, um, obviously you've been involved in independent music for a very long time. Um, you know, from obviously when you got your start putting out records in the basement of your parents' place and, and Trustkill and all that type of stuff. Um, but you're, you know, you're older and you are still searching out new bands. Um, that doesn't happen for a lot of people, especially people such as yourself that have been so involved with music for, you know, as long as you have. Why? Why? <laughs> why? Why do you still care? Because I mean, there are, yeah, I, I, there's no better way of putting it. But but why? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I still I still love discovering bands and and signing bands and uh, I don't know. I guess just discovering the next thing and new bands excite me just like they excited me when I was 15. You know? Yeah. Um, because you you have. Uh, like I alluded to in your introduction, like you have a, a law degree, correct? Yes. And so clearly you could obviously move on from doing the music industry stuff that you have been and obviously try to find a, you know, career within that field. Like what what did what specifically was your emphasis when you got your degree? Uh I have had a focus in intellectual property and corporate law. Oh, okay. So um yeah, I mean, I could always fall back and be a lawyer. I guess that would be, you know, flipping <laughs> burgers or something. That's <laughs> a nice fallback. <laughs> but, um, but you know, music is my life, and my life is music, and that's what I like to do. So I do that, and, you know, I've also been getting back into doing a lot of design work lately. Oh. Um, so been doing that a lot. You know, there was a, there was a long period there where I hadn't done – design work for other people, you know, other than my own stuff. Um, but I kind of fell back into that sometime last year. And so I've been doing a lot of that lately, probably nothing that you guys would know about because I try not to do anything for like hardcore bands because they don't pay. (laughs) (laughs) No. And I know, I know what I want to pay kids to do design stuff. So (laughs) I'm not working for that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just did like, uh, I just launched Def Leppard's new website, um, which was cool. That's amazing. I did, uh, I did Jessica Simpson's new album. Uh, I'm working on some stuff for like 50 Cent 
and Mariah Carey and just tons of random ass. So just stuff. like some some up and comers, like yeah, yeah, you know, cool. That's uh, I look forward to hearing their work. <laughs> yeah, that's had, cool. Yeah, I had I had no idea that you uh, you had a passion for uh, for design as well. That's cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I designed, you know, probably the first fifty albums on Trustkill right. myself. Um, and actually, see, I, 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 know, I thought I thought that was out of uh, necessity rather than passion. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a little of both, of <laughs> okay. course. Okay, but um, you know, I I put out my first record in 1994. I designed every single thing, you know, album, ads, merch, everything, my website. I did everything myself until 2006. Um, and, then, and then it all went down downhill after that. And then it all went downhill. I, I, hired, I hired my friend Joel, um, <laughs> and he was here for about a year, and then he left, and that's when I hired Chris Hansen. That's what, um, that's what it, that's that's what I was really speaking to. It went really really downhill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's when it just it just crashed and burned. Yeah. Um. No, no, Chris was awesome. Joel was awesome. Um. But but yeah, I mean you know, and I've gotten to a point with with Bullet Tooth and the and the new stuff where it's like, if I want something done, I just do it myself. I I can do it faster, and um, I'm pretty OCD about design and you know, all the aesthetics of my label. So sometimes it would take me longer to explain to someone how I want something to look than right. it would take to do it myself. Sure. So that's cool. Well, yeah. that's, that's, that's good. I, I can, I, I can, it makes more sense to me now. Um, cause I, obviously it's like, I always look at myself where I'm just like, why am I still doing this shit? And then it's like, you know, I find whatever a new band that gets me excited or obviously like, you know, doing this podcast or whatever, whatever creative outlet you find that, you know, makes it fun. Yeah, totally. Um, cool. Um, and on that note, uh, I just, I have two, I have two records and then one random follow up from a previous episode. Um, I, uh, the new thrice came out about a month and a half ago. It's called major minor on vagrant records. Um, that record's amazing. Like, I mean, Thrice is a band where uh, they continually develop and continually kind of, you know, adapt to whatever their own musical tastes are. And this record is kind of just a continuation on um, what Beggars was. It's a little heavier, a little more aggressive, but then there's also songs that are completely reminiscent of what they did with that, that are four element EPs. Um, so yeah, I, I just think this record is is easily probably going to be in my top 10 list. Um, and I just think that they, they always outdo themselves and you can tell that they really stay true to what their vision is and what they are as a band rather than obviously going with the trends and stuff like that. So uh, I'm right there with you. I, I love it. Cool. Um, and I read somewhere that they played Phoenix, Phoenix ignition somewhere on this tour and it just made me laugh. Ooh. They must have been excited about that. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 headlining tour they're doing right now. They're really going back into their old catalog and kind of pulling out songs that you know they hadn't played for a while. So like and Phoenix it, Ignition, exactly. I'm excited to uh, to see them at some point on this tour. So, um, and then uh, I also want to talk about the uh, on the complete opposite side of things. There's a there's a band slash artist called M83, um, and his new record is called Hurry Up or Dreaming. I got into this dude um, 
he did he did a few songs for there was a movie that came out a few years ago a few years ago called A Scanner Darkly. It was that animated movie with Keanu Reeves. That weird like was it Richard yeah. Linklater? Linklater. It, it was. A, I think it was a Philip K. Dick novel, but well, whatever. Same same person. <laughs> um, but he, uh, there was a few songs of his on the soundtrack, and uh, I don't know, just something was really compelling about it. Just heavily electronic based, um, a lot of you know synth work and stuff, but not like synth like cheesy eighty stuff, um, but you know done in a really cool manner that has you know some attachment to like indie rock. Um, so I got into that record, and I've enjoyed him ever since. I've seen him perform live a few times. And, uh, yeah, his new record came out about two weeks ago, and it's really good. I actually like it better, better than the last one, which was Saturday Saturday's Equal Youth. Um, so, yeah, anybody that's into any sort of electronic music whatsoever and, you know, not like electronic, like, rave DJ music. Say, say I don't really like electronic music, but I really like, like this band group guy, whatever. Right. Uh, <laughs> this artist. Say. Yeah, I have a few of the records. I haven't heard the new one yet. I keep meaning to listen to it, but I just haven't gotten to it. But yeah. everything I've heard, oh, the other records that I do have, I really enjoy. Cool. So I'm excited. S- Scott, I know you sort of enjoy his work. Did you like this new record of his? No, I'm actually a big fan. Yeah, I really liked it. Cool. I have a really funny video that I can't exactly share because we're doing this <laughs> over Skype. And it's a not a video podcast. <laughs> so it would be... There's some comedian who uh, he he says he's doing a vocal tryout for the band, but he's actually he's singing all of the high pitched synthesizer parts. It's very funny. I'll put it on the first world problems Twitter. Oh, okay. We we like that. Boom. Josh, have you uh, are are you familiar with this dude at all? Have you listened to him? I have not. No. No. Cool. Well, uh, check it out if any of that sounds remotely interesting. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, Following up on the new Blink-182 record, uh, Joey spoke about it on the previous podcast we did, and um, I've listened to it, and I still, I don't, I can't make up my mind about it. I don't know if I like it, I don't know if I dislike it, it's just kind of, it's just kind of there, and I, I don't. Feel, I feel like, the, so the deluxe version I think has 13 songs, 14 songs, uh-huh. uh, I feel like I could pull seven or eight songs that are awesome, and then there's just like, I don't know. Like, I, I still, I'm kind of with you, I think. There's songs I absolutely love. Yeah. And then, yeah. I just, yeah, I have a hard time listening to it and believing, like, oh, God, I'm so glad we have this record. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, the thing, even when, like, the Untitled record came out, like, which was different, I kept wanting to go back to listen to it, and I still listen to it today. But, like, this record, I've, I already don't really think about it like that. I always, I forget that it exists. Yeah. So I, I don't see myself, when I listen to the Blink discography, I don't know if I'll make it this far. Josh, did you uh, enjoy the record, or do you like Blink at all? I, I love Blink. Uh, I checked the record out once and haven't listened to it since. So <laughs> I think that, that, probably, that probably speaks volumes. Yeah, I think that echoes the sentiment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounded cool. Um, I actually really like Angels and Airwaves. I know most people don't. But um, I thought it's, it had a little more Angels and Airwaves feel um, than the last the last album or two. Um, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. But I don't know. It was cool. It just it didn't 
no song really like stood out to me, you know. So, and, and and I think that's what I don't why I don't love it is because I want a blink record. Like I, I think it's weird that Mark only has two songs on the whole thing. Like two standalone Mark songs where Tom doesn't sing at all. Yeah. yeah. And it's like it just seemed like a lot of the songs were either gonna be Angels in Their Wave songs or were just left or, I don't know. Um Yeah. Yeah. But, no, I'm with, I'm with you. So yeah, that that is a very uh, un unpassionate review of the new Blink One Eight Two record. It's like <laughs> yeah, I think the best way to describe it is meh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the the first song and Hearts All Gone are awesome. Yeah, it's a good good songs, but yeah. Um, cool. I also wanted to uh, bring up a movie that I'm I'm fairly certain I'm not a hundred percent sure if Josh has seen it, but. Um, Actually, I think you might have, but uh, Paranormal Activity 3. Did you see that, Josh? I did not. Okay. Joey, did you see it? Yes. Scott and I saw it on a date. Okay. Um, Are are you planning on seeing it, Josh, or do you even care about those type of... uh, I don't really care. Okay. (laughs) Have you seen either of the other two? (laughs) No. Okay. (laughs) Oh, wait. No, no, no. I take that back. I saw the first... I got forced to see the first one. Okay. And I was utterly bored. (laughs) Uh, I, I highly recommend you don't watch this one, then. I mean, it's like a two-hour version of Ghost Hunter. Like I just think, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't like any of that shit. So yeah, no, I, that's completely fair. Um, I yeah, I I was terrified with this movie, and I want to hear what you think, Joey, because I had a previous discussion with Scott how he said this movie really wasn't that scary, and I said fuck him, his taste. I don't, um, I don't believe that. I think because I've seen the other two, I knew what to expect. So it was scary, but it wasn't as scary as the other two. Um, but that being said, like the way, like the 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 camera on the fan that painted across the kitchen and like from the front door to the kitchen was, I think, really really cool. Uh, like the scene with the the sheet was oh. awesome. Um, but the the last 15 minutes of this movie was just like was crazy. Yeah. Like from the second they get to the other house or when they go to bed that night to the end of the movie was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And I Scott and Scott saying he didn't think it was scary. My knee says otherwise as he was grabbing onto it most of the movie. <laughs> Fictional. Fictional, Scott. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't grab onto my leg? Uh, a few times, but way more the second in the second movie. Yeah, I just, I just, in my opinion, I just, I feel like this was the, uh, I don't know, the strongest out of the bunch. Like they just really did a lot of cool stuff with it, and I felt, yeah, I was, I never usually turn away from movies like this, but this one, there were moments where I was like, I'm not gonna look at the screen right now because it's fucking scary. I, I think Scott and I also had like a an entertaining movie going experience. There was a family behind us of seven, all with young children who shouldn't have been in this movie. Ooh. But anytime something scary would happen, the dad would just go <laughs> and have this loud laugh that just kind of made things funny. So he uh, he was cl- clearly trying to def- diffuse the tension by laughing. Oh, it's not scary. <laughs> yeah, um, but. What I what I thought was cool and kind of different was that the trailer portrayed a completely different movie, where yeah. it was pretty much all deleted scenes 
um, and just made the story like seem like the story was going to go completely opposite direction than yeah. it than it did. Sure. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see how they, because I'm obviously they'll make a fourth. Right. Um, how we'll they? Be there. Oh, we'll be there. Yeah. Um, how will how they're going to carry the story on? Because from the first two, they have you know the fire and all that's like how the house burned down when they were a kid. Yeah. Uh, how that gets. I don't know because it didn't even get mentioned uh, in this one. Nor yeah. I don't. But yeah, yeah, scary, scary shit. Um, Josh, have you seen a movie recently that uh, that you've enjoyed? <clears throat> um, Horrible Bosses was amazing. I just saw that about a week ago for the first time. That was good. <laughs> so good. So funny. I-, I love that we live in a world where Justin Bateman is in every other movie. Oh, so good. <laughs> Um, cause he's just a genius. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I've already seen that movie twice. I think it's brilliant. I, I, I wished it would just have continued for two more hours. <laughs> uh, I'll pretty much support anything Charlie Day does. Oh my God. Genius. Uh, as long as, just, as, as long as he plays himself, cause he obviously he, like the role that he plays on, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. was basically the same character in this one, except a little more, obviously like do goody. Did Ray, yeah. do you see, the movie Going the Distance. Yes. A romantic comedy, but fucking great. I love that movie. I disagree with you. I thought it was fucking terrible. <laughs> but he he was good. But well, the, re- okay. the rest of it was terrible. Because she's kind of annoying. Yes. The three of those dudes hanging out is awesome. Yeah. I also didn't believe that movie. Like, that movie just used the word fuck a lot just to try to be edgy. And I hate that. I just... But see, I enjoy when romantic comedies are rated R because... <laughs> People say fuck, and when they don't in movies, it bothers me. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Unless it's a Kurt Cameron movie. Like <laughs> like Fireproof? Or, yeah. He doesn't say fuck. <laughs> no, he does not. But he also uh, thinks dinosaurs lived at the same time as people. So. <laughs> um, I also uh, wanted to talk about uh, television, since obviously a lot of fall TV has kind of hit. Ray, do I not get to talk about Back to the Future? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I ran you over. I just wanted to talk about Back to the Future because I just watched them all again, and that is the best trilogy of all time. That is all. <laughs> nice and short. It is. That's, I, I can't disagree with that. I... And anyone who says Back to the Future 3 isn't good is an idiot, and I dare you to tell me differently. <laughs> I still think I like – I don't know. I, I still think I like Part 2 the best. I think Part 2 is my favorite also. Okay. Only because when I was a kid, I wanted a hoverboard more than anything. I wanted everything that they had in that movie. Did you get the Nikes, Ray? Yeah, I spent like five grand on those. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. uh, Actually, Scott, did you have have a movie that you wanted to throw into the mix and talk about? Um, I have a movie that I saw the other day that I'm still trying to figure out. So I'm curious if you guys have ever seen it. It's a movie called um, Sleeping Beauty. I want to see it. I've heard about it. Have you heard good things? Uh, I've just, no, I've just heard what it's about and it sounds creepy as hell. Like, not creepy scary, just creepy like a van with no windows creepy. (laughs) Like the van down the street? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was, but uh, it was very strange. Um, I can't really talk too much about it without giving it away. So I think it's like supposed to be a, a drama, like not not so much horror ish. But can't you say what it's about? Well, it's 
See, I didn't see the movie, but I don't know if that's like a twist, but I already know like this, what. It's roughly about a girl who needs money and she runs into some lady that's willing to pay her uh, $350 an hour to take medicine, spend the night at her house, and then these guys come over and, and do, you don't know what they do to her overnight while she's passed out. And that's it. Hmm. And the mo- movie's very weird, very slow. But, yeah. So it sounds very arty. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Don't worry about it. Don't see it. If you- <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds perfect. Um, yeah, so uh, F- Fall TV and some of the new shows that have come out. Um, Joey, did you want to uh, hit on a show that you've been enjoying or not enjoying at all? Um, two real quick. One just, uh, yeah, well, I, season eight of The Office, first season without Steve Carell, I think is great. I think it focuses on the ensemble, and I think it's very funny. So I agree. If, you, if you've given up, <clears throat> I recommend you come back. Yeah, come back for sure. I agree. Um, yeah. And then a new show I'd like to recommend is Homeland. I don't think I've talked about it before, but if I have. You haven't. Okay. Uh, it's on Showtime. Um, it's about a. Uh, like a POW who gets found in Afghanistan and comes back and just like adapting to being home and his family. And then I think she's in the FBI or CIA thinks he might be a mole working with terrorists. So it's, it's just a drama. It's really interesting. Claire Danes is in it. Yeah. My, and any, anytime my parents talk about a show, I know it's like really popular because <laughs> my mom's like, Hey, have you seen Homeland? Not like she talks like that, but, um, that's actually a really good impression. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. She, hi, she, hi she, Becky. I know. She she says very good things about it. It's it's really entertaining. I mean, it's, yeah, not a lot of action, but it, it keeps you keeps you hooked. Cool. Uh, what about you, Josh? Um, I got tons of TV that I love. I don't know. It's weird. Sometimes I think that everything on TV sucks because it's all reality and you know, contest type television, it all sucks. But at the same time, there's so much good TV right now. Um, that new Jonah Hill cartoon, Alan Gregory on Fox. Oh, is, that, is that good? Per- oh my God. So good. There's only been two episodes, but they're great. Um, new Beavis and Butthead. Awesome. I was, in, uh, I, I never really liked Beavis and Butthead that much when it was on the first time, but I watched the first one. And thought it was hilarious. Yeah, so. it's it's amazing. Uh, South Park is probably one of the best shows on TV of all time. Um, every episode gets better and better. Uh, the new show on Comedy Central, Workaholics, I think is awesome. Agreed. Um, what else? Boardwalk Empire, brilliant. Um, new Curb Your Enthusiasm, brilliant. Holy fuck! That I think yeah. this last season was probably it was the best the best season of all time. It killed it. Oh yeah, it was incredible. Uh, the the new but, it's always sunny, amazing. Yes. Yes. Um, I have, I have a question about Kirby enthusiasm. What's that? Uh, I loved season one and two and kind of fell off because it kind of just became the same thing. I felt like oh he's in an awkward situation again. It just kind of felt redundant. Is if I were to watch season eight, would I enjoy it? Like, or whatever season it's in? Season eight uh, was the best season by a mile. 
Okay. Yeah. Every every episode was just ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. You can and you can jump in like you won't be like, oh, yeah. lost or anything. Yeah. Okay. I mean the only thing that you miss is that he got divorced. Yeah. Right. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. But uh, yeah. I already knew about that. Yeah, you're fine. Because he got divorced in real life. So Yeah. Um and then uh Archer on FX, the cartoon. Uh, is amazing. Has anyone watched that? I, I've seen a couple episodes. It's it's pretty awesome. I think it's amazing. I think that guy, John Benjamin, has the best agent in Hollywood since he has three television shows on three separate networks. <laughs> That's true. What, what at other the same time? What other? Because he does another voice on. Well, he's does he has Archer, so he's Archer on Archer. Um. Then he has John Benjamin has a van on yeah. Comedy Central. And then he has Bob's Burgers on That's Fox. That's what it is. And he also is the voice of Yoda on Family Guy. That's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got a really good agent. Um, and all, these, and all of it, uh, most of it's just voice work, so he can just sit at home or sit, walk to a studio. Yeah, it's nice. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, Bob's Burgers is great, too. I forgot about that one. Um. Nice, a lot, lot of, yeah. lot, lot of good stuff circulating currently. Yeah, um, and I'm a, I, I, I'm a sucker for Tosh Point I think he's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, um, he's, 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 he's pretty good. I, I don't watch him regularly, but you know, when I do, it's like, oh, that's funny. I feel like the show kind of fell off a little. Like, there's just less clips and just more sketches now. It's kind of true, but uh, yeah, I, then I, I would agree with that. I saw him tweet. I saw him tweeting stuff saying. Like, if you want to come down to, uh, um, I can't think of the word, but well, I'm an idiot, um, to come down to try to replace him. I don't know if he's uh-huh. leaving and they're just going to bring someone new in, um, or, if it was, or if he was just joking. I think he's just joking. He, it's, like, it's like one of the most popular shows on Comedy Central. <laughs> um, what I thought was funny, actually, I just saw this week's episode last night, and uh, he kind of made a little dig at... Rob Deerdeck. Um, Rob Deerdeck has basically the same show on MTV. Exactly the same show. And I'm, I, I would never watch it because it looks fucking terrible. And he's not funny, so I don't know why they would give him a show like that. Because he um, works with monster print all over it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, apparently he, he must use the same clips or some of the same clips that Tosh.0 uses. So they played a clip on Tosh.0 and then... Uh, he said, yeah, I'm sure you'll see that clip on MTV in a year and a half. So that was kind of like a little dig at Rob Deerdeck that he's taken his sloppy seconds. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, that's pretty much all the TV I've been watching. Cool. I love, I love Ancient Aliens, too, on the History Channel. <laughs> I haven't watched that at all. It's incredible. You got to watch it. Nice. That shit, shit blows my mind. A- aliens are pretty mind-blowing. Um, the only show that I wanted to hit on that I don't understand why people like, uh, The New Girl. That show's fucking terrible. Um, sorry if anybody likes it, but uh, I watched like the first two or three episodes and was like, okay, like, you know, Zoe Deschanel, like, how cute, all right, like little sort of threes company thing going on. Um, no, it's not funny. It's, I don't understand. Ray, here's my thoughts on the show because I've watched every episode. Okay. If you take her out of the show, it's really funny. Like, those three guys, like, the roommates are great. 
Yeah. Is it what is it one of them awayans? Uh he's on he was on the pilot, but oh, okay. he's also on the show Happy Endings and Happy Endings got picked up for a second season, so he left New Girl. Ah. Because he's uh, funny. Yes, and that show Happy Endings is great. Hmm. Um, yeah, but I just yeah. I, I I had to bring it down with a negative note because I just didn't I I don't I really don't understand why so many people are, are watching it and really did, loving does it. Does she sing? She all all she does is fucking sing. Yeah, uh, it's so annoying. Every, everything she's in, she sings. It's like kind of yeah. weird. <laughs> I think that's. I think that's part of like her writer when she gets picked up for whatever. It's like okay, I gotta have at least ten minutes of singing in each like thing. They they seem to have toned it down, but that first episode was painful. It was like a it was like a musical, <laughs> but just her singing. It's like Glee. Yeah, but not. Well, we can talk about Glee. Right? <laughs> but yeah, Glee, but not good. That's what you're gonna say, Jerry. <laughs> um. Cool. Well, there there was a few uh, random questions I wanted to uh, ask you, Josh, just in regards to you know sort of music, music industry type stuff. Because um, I mean, uh, and obviously the vibe of the show is definitely we don't ask a lot of the same shit that you've been asked five hundred million times. Like, so how did your label start, dude? Because um, <laughs> clearly anybody that has an internet connection can find that out. Um, yep. But um, just a few, like, instances where um, watching kind of interesting things happen to, you know, yourself and the label where this was uh, – and obviously if you don't feel comfortable answering any of this, you could be like, fuck off, Ray, I'm not telling you, um, <clears throat> which I don't think you'll do. But uh, the – when obviously, like, you know, some of the bands that you were working with, like, you know, throw down bleeding through that type of stuff, you know, started to air dirty laundry, like business that normally gets taken care of, you know like most things do, you know, behind closed doors and not really putting it out to the world. Um, you know, there was obviously a lot of like, you know, royalty stuff and Josh is, you know, defrauding us and whatever. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff going around. Um, how, like, was that, you know, from your perspective and not so much like, you know, I don't, obviously there's, <clears throat> that's a whole different situation, like not looking for right or wrong, but just like how, how did that, you know, kind of impact you where it was like, oh, man, like, because clearly, like, you know, you as a label had always tried to do the business the most appropriate way possible. Um, and it's not like you're this evil guy, because clearly, if you were an evil guy, <laughs> you would have been out of the business a long time ago. Um, yeah. So, yeah, how, <laughs> how did that, you know, kind of make you feel? Because obviously, this was a lot of your, you know, the people you develop friends with. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's definitely weird. I think, you know, and I don't want to get into specifics or name names or anything like that. Yeah, no, that's fine. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, we had a really good run and some of these bands had really good runs. And I think that there was a sense of entitlement and they got a little spoiled maybe and they, they expected a lot of things and Sure. As as the business started to, to decline, um, you know, things didn't come as easy anymore. Um, I mean, is it a coincidence that, you know, I mean, you name you name bleeding through and throwdown, so I'll I'll I will name those, I guess. Yeah, but. and the, and I mean, the only reason I mentioned them is because I know that they were the ones that were the most. And honestly, it was the first time. The the, the only reason that I think this was unique was because bands actually used the internet 
as like their platform whereas previously like i had never really seen that done by very many bands like kind of airing that dirty laundry so to speak yeah i mean you see it a lot more now oh completely (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah i mean you know i i guess i would say that is it a coincidence that when those bands left my label they pretty much ended Mm mm-hmm you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I, I, I supported those bands. I mean, literally, uh, I put over a million dollars into each one of those bands, and I don't know how many independent record labels can say the same thing. Sure. Um, you know, did I have to do that? No. But I love the bands, and I love the dudes, and, you know, I supported them, and, you know, when they needed $150,000 to go on OzFest, I said, okay. You know, I could have bought myself a new house, but instead I put them on Ozfest, you know, and then sure. that <clears throat> that excelled their careers. And, you know, again, like not not every band can can get big and, and stay big and then not have any work to do. I mean, every band has their ups and downs. Um, you got to work really hard. And, you know, when you when you start growing up and you hit 30 and all of a sudden you know, you're married and you have a mortgage and things aren't coming as easy and you're not getting the same tours and, uh, you know, it it gets hard and, and a lot of bands don't want to look themselves in the mirror and they start, you know, looking at everybody else. And, you know, I mean, bleeding through just fired their manager, uh, recently and then kind of came crawling back and, I don't even know what's happening with them. Sure. So. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, uh, and yeah. I, again, I don't, I don't want to talk shit. I love Bleeding Through. I think they're a great band. I love Throwdown. I think they're a great band. I have no regrets at all. Um, you know, I know that, you know, as a business, I did everything that I was supposed to do. Um, but, you know, shit happens. It's it's the music business. It's not perfect. Sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, I wish them all the best and I hope that they can make shit work. But like I said, it's a, it's a tough business and, you know, it was funny. Like I remember when, when Hope's Fall broke up, everyone was like, oh, you know, it's like kid, kids that don't really understand. They're like, they want to blame someone. They're like, why did Hope's Fall break up? Oh, I want, it was, must've been the label, you know? And I, I read shit like that and I'm like, well, these dudes like grew up and they, and they turned 30 and. You know, like, you know, back in 2004, when they were at their peak, you know, they could make decent money to pay bills. But, you know, fast forward to 2008 and they're, you know, trying to go on tour, making 200 bucks a night. And you just, it just doesn't work anymore, you know? Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, obviously, the record label is always the easiest uh, scapegoat, so to speak. So Yeah, exactly. And And I love, like, you know someone in hopes fall it was a dude who i never even met um was saying how like uh you know like the band was in debt or something and i'm like well i'm not your business manager like what do i have to do with your debt right you know like that that doesn't concern me whatsoever um i i pay for their records and recordings and put out records and pay them for sales and and that's it yeah uh, you know, whether or not they go on tour and, and blow all their money on, you know, new laptops and iPods and 
drugs and I mean, I have no idea what they do with their money. So, <laughs> right. Um, but you know, you can't, you can't blame your label for being in debt. You know, it's like, I, I'm not their business manager. I'm not their manager. I'm not their tour manager. Uh, I'm their record label and that's that. So, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a bummer, but, uh, you know, when bands try to, and again, it's kind of like, you know, when these bands kind of hit the end of the line, they start grasping for straws and trying to place blame on other people. But, you know, the reality is that most of these bands, like, you know, uh, you know, like when it dies today, it broke up, you know, they wanted to blame everybody but themselves. And I think now it's been like two years and they finally realize, like, oh shit, we fucked up, and <laughs> sure. we, we shouldn't have done this, or we should have done that differently. And you know, they got a you know eighty thousand dollar publishing advance, and you know, where'd all that money go? It's like I, I have no idea, but it definitely didn't go to pay off their merch bills and everywhere it was supposed to go. Yeah. Um, no, I mean it's 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 one of those things where it's like it's just a matter of perspective, and sometimes it takes a person a year or two to kind of you know put put themselves through a situation and be like, oh, okay, like now I know more. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying I'm I'm not perfect. I mean, I I do the same thing. It's like, um, you know, the whole switch from trust kill to bullet tooth. You know, my only regret is that I I didn't do that two years earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know in retrospect, you look back on it and you're like, wow, shit, I should have done things differently, you know? Yeah. On that same note, Josh, like obviously when you were, um, you know, you've been through a lot of different distributors that have obviously handled your records and, you know, got stuff out there. Um, you know, in dealing with so many of them, what's like the one thing that you've learned that you're like, okay, like either I'm not going to make this mistake again, or this person, this business partner needs to embody these qualities. Um, you know, kind of what, what did you learn through stepping through all those different, uh, scenarios that you've been through? Um, that is an excellent question. Uh, I would say there's probably two things that are the most important. Um, the first one is any company that's willing to give you money, you have to, you have to be concerned with how am I making that money back? Right. Hey, here's $5 million. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, my new motto is don't take money from anybody and just make it work without the money. Right. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, in retrospect, you know, I had distributors that would advance us money and, and I think I did all the right things with them. Um, but you know, I think going forward, uh, it's better just to, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I guess to, it's hard to explain, but with me, you know, I have my distributors now offering me lots of money and I, I turn it down because I don't want to take their money anymore. Sure. Um, I would rather, you know, sell more records and, and license more music and, Right. And just and just make it that way as opposed to just taking advances. Sure. Yeah. Um so I think that's critical and I think most importantly it's it doesn't matter what company you sign with, you have to have someone uh, a human being at that company that's a champion for your own company, right? Right. Um so 
you know, in 2002, I signed with, with Red and Sony, and I got a fantastic deal. Um, but two or three years into the deal, uh, there's like a new regime, and they came in and, and couldn't give a shit about anything I was doing, and they didn't care about my bands or my label, and, and that sucks. Um, so that's when we switched to Universal in 2007. Um, and then the same thing happened. Uh, the president, you know, died of brain, brain cancer, unfortunately. Um, new guy came in and then there's a whole new regime and they're looking at me like, well, you know, who were all these bands? What is this? And, you know, whoever did a deal like this, why, why would we have ever done this? And, um, and that sucks. I kind of found myself in the same spot. Um, you know, I'm at a great company. Unfortunately, there's no one there to really champion my label and, and my bands. Um, yeah, there's only, there's only so much work that you can do as an individual. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's, that's, that's not even a problem that's exclusive to labels. That's a problem that is just a problem with the business in general. I mean, how many stories have you heard about a band signed to a major label and then before their album even comes out, you know, their A&R guy gets shit canned and, you know, no one, no one will return their calls. Um, I don't know. It, it's a big problem. Yeah. I see it happen all the time with bands at majors and, you know, that's why indie labels are awesome because I'm always going to be here. Right. So I'm always, I can always answer a phone call. Um, you know, uh, you know, and you just look at all the other indie labels, like, you know, Brian Slagle at Metal Blade, he's not going anywhere. Um, you know, Brett at Epitaph, he's not going anywhere. So that's, that's what's cool. But, you know, the major labels, it's just like the, you know, the staff is just rotating every fucking six months. Yeah. Uh, you, you want consistency. Yeah, and that sucks. So yeah, I don't know. If I was a band, I, I would never, you know, unless you were straight top forty radio pop, I would never in a million years sign to a major label. It makes no sense. Sure. Um, and then, sort of to wrap things up on a uh, you know a positive note, um, what's been? Because obviously, like you know, since you've been doing a label for so long, I'm sure you've had those moments of just like you know, sort of out of body experience where you've kind of like looked at, you know, you've looked down at yourself and been like, holy fuck, like, I can't believe this is happening. Um, you know, what can you think of maybe, you know, a particular moment where you did step back and like realize that, wow, like, you know, the support I gave this band was amazing and I'm seeing play in front of, you know, thousands of people or whatever. Um, was there, is there a moment that kind of sticks out in your head that's like, that kind of encapsulates that? Yeah, I got the hundreds of the, I got hundreds of those moments. But, sure, um, <laughs> maybe maybe a more recent one. Um, I mean, probably the biggest one for me was getting a a gold record for the first bullet from my Valentine album I put out. Um, you know, again, not many indie labels can say that they signed a band and got a gold record on their first album. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. And And you, you sold that on eBay, right? <laughs> nah, actually, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm actually looking at it in my office right now, which is why I just thought of it. But um <laughs> Nice. Uh so that was pretty awesome. 
Um, you know, probably other than that, um, I forget which record I sold a hundred thousand copies of first. It was either, uh, poison the well opposite of December or the first bleeding through album I put out. Um, but that was a pretty awesome, you know, uh, pretty awesome thing to happen to sell that many records. And especially considering that the Poison the Well album came out in 2000 and the Bleeding Through album came out in 2003 and it was just me. Like I didn't, I didn't have anybody working for me. Um, right. So I did all that on my own, which was kind of cool. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely uh, something to be proud of. And I would say most recently, uh, I have a new band called Seriana from Wisconsin and you know, brand new band just put out their first album um, in August, and they were just out on the Rock Yourself to Sleep tour. And I just talked to the drummer about an hour ago, and you know, he was telling me all about the the last week of tour in L.A. and San Diego, and you know how they're you know playing for fifteen hundred kids a night and selling a hundred CDs a night, and um, you know how they they all went home and actually made money on the tour. So it's, it's little things like that, that get me pretty psyched. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely something that kind of gives you a little pump in the arm where it's like, <clears throat> Oh yeah. You, if, if you're excited, then I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. So sweet. Well, um, yeah, in order to wrap this up in a not even remotely closely timely manner, <laughs> Uh, thank you, Josh, for hanging out with us and bullshitting about all of our, uh, our our first world problems, as it were. Cool, man. I enjoyed it. It was awesome. Sweet. Well, thank you. Like that